You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Having said that, my dear brothers and sisters, let's have a brief discussion on what is magic. Is it real or not? Is it real? What is So what is it? What happens? I mean, what do magicians do to strike a spell? They connect with the jinn or shaitan. Scholars have different understandings of what magic is. I'll summarize it in just uh, you know, a few minutes. Some scholars, based on our hadiths, they believe that the one who started magic was who? Before Harut and Marut. Who started? The first instance of magic in history was started by who? Your, your most avowed enemy. Who is he? Shaitan, Iblis. And basically what happened is, it happened after Sulaiman Prophet Sulaiman had a vast kingdom and he did supernatural powers. Even the jinn and the shayateen worked for him. Do you know that? Prophet Sulaiman was given so much power by Allah, he forced shayateen and jinn like slaves to come and work for him. They'd work in his palace. They were servants under him. He'd, he'd use them to do things. Allah gave him that type of power. And he did supernatural things, right? You've, you've all heard about the story of the throne of uh, Bilqis being transported. In fact, he had like a flying carpet. You know, he would go from one place to another. Let's call it a vehicle. Even the wind. Allah says in the Holy Quran that I gave the wind to Sulaiman, where uh, the distance of one month, he would go in, you know, just like a day or half a day or just a few hours. Allah gave him supernatural powers and this was a grand sign by Allah that he is my prophet. That's why at the time of Sulaiman, pretty much everyone believed. You see all these miracles, how do you reject them? So while Sulaiman was alive, everything was under check. What happened after Sulaiman? When he died, Iblis is like, look, I have to come up with a strategy to make people deviate. Because people are now all believers, or mainly they're believers, because they saw all these miracles from Sulaiman. And he even humiliated the jinn and made them servants under him. So I have to fight back. After Sulaiman dies, he goes and he writes a book. And he calls it the book of magic. Now Iblis is, you know, he, he knows how, how the world works. Like he has evil ways. He's got a lot of knowledge. No taqwa, but he's got a lot of knowledge. So he writes evil ways to do magic in that book, teaching people how to do magic. Now, who's the author? If he puts shaitan, no one's going to follow him. Like people will know. See how khabith and laim he was. <laughs> he's, he's so wicked. Whose name does he put on the book? No, not Sulaiman. People knew Sulaiman did not write that. He puts the name Asif ibn Barkhiya. Who was Asif ibn Barkhiya? Ah, the wazir and the successor of Sulaiman. The one who had some ilmun min al-kitab. See, 
he, people knew he had some knowledge of the book. I'll bring you that throne before you basically blink. And he did. So people knew Asif had some supernatural powers. Now they thought this was a miracle, which is true. He had some knowledge of the book. Shaitan comes and writes a book of magic, how to perform magic, and he puts the name Asif ibn Barkhiya. And he says in the intro, basically, that, oh people, all the knowledge that I had and the supernatural things that I've done, it wasn't Mu'jiza or Sulaiman. I couldn't say at his time, basically, right? It's all magic and here, go try it. He spreads the book, it spreads like wildfire. People look for these things, right? People always want supernatural things. So one, one analysis is this is how magic started. And then the story of Harut and Marut came and basically Allah, when he saw people turning to magic, he wanted to even test them more. So this is the origin of magic. It does have a real power using jinns or some other unseen ways that we don't know about. You know, just like today there's radiation, right? Do you see the radiation with your eyes? No. You could put something here that's harmful and it emits radiation and it causes cancer and it could kill us and we can't even see it. So there are unseen things that you don't see but it harms you. Shaitan knows about these things. So that's one analysis that this is what magic is and this is how it started. Yes. Of course, we'll, we'll, we'll say the ruling on magic. We're just trying to figure out what exactly is it? How did it start? Another possibility is that magic is fake. It's just an optical illusion. Magicians, you know, they're very quick. They do certain things in order to deceive your eyes. But really there's nothing behind it. That's one analysis. Another third analysis is we don't exactly know where magic started, but we do know it does have some effect. And you know, the Prophet and the Imams, they taught us to protect ourselves from that. In fact, there are hadiths that the Prophet, he said certain words to protect Al-Imam Al-Hasan and Al-Imam Al-Hussein when there was an attempt to strike them with a spell. The Prophet basically said, until the end of the dua, I submit you to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now practicing magic is haram. All scholars are unanimous and, and magicians are kuffar in Islamic law. And if there is a known magician who's hurting people in Islamic law, he's stopped. If he doesn't stop, he's what? He's executed. If, if in a just court we're talking about. Why? Because this person causes damage. He's harming people. People can die because of that. A husband and a wife can be separated because of that. The Holy Quran talks about that. One of the effects of magic was that they separate between a man and his wife. So Islamically, practicing witchcraft, black magic, any type of magic is strictly haram and it's considered a kabira. It's one of the major sins. What about white magic? What's white magic? You know how we have a lie and we have a white lie? What's a white lie? Uh, you're lying because you want to do something good, right? What if it's white magic? You learn magic to do something good. Ethical hackers, huh? <laughs> you do magic, let's say, to help the poor, to do something, you, you're interested in a person, you want to marry them, 
um, her parents doesn't they don't want it so you do some white magic to <laughs> let her parents approve whatever it is is that halal no even white magic is haram it's condemned the only type of magic that can be learned according to some scholars is to break magic so let's say there's someone who's done magic and you want to break that magic and the only way to do that is to learn it so you break it some scholars have said yes that would be okay but practicing magic for any other purpose would be haram. After the advent of Islam, the interference of the jinn with humans was restricted. But it's not completely eliminated. Now I know people today over exaggerate. Every bad thing hap that happens, every fight between the husband and the wife, everything, oh, sahar, sahar, ayn and sahar. That's not true. Many times it's your bad decisions. It's your attitude. You know, it's not everything is sahar. I, I think people over-exaggerate, but honestly, I can't deny the existence of sahar. I believe it is out there. Yes, brother? What's the difference between magic and either way? Yeah, what's the difference between magic and the evil eye? Basically, the evil eye, according to one understanding, is that it has a negative impact where when you are jealous, that jealousy generates negative energy because it's so evil, such that jinns come, use that energy to harm someone that you're jealous of. So they're interrelated. That's, that's one analysis. There are other analysis about what exactly is the evil eye. So, so they are interrelated. Um, basically, the evil eye can be a mechanism, a vehicle for magic to, you know, strike someone or for an evil jinn to hurt someone. So they are different, but sometimes they may have the same effect. On magic and sihr. And all these ruqya channels, yeah. I think it's over-exaggerated. But at the same time, honestly, I cannot deny it. We have verses about it in the Quran. We have hadiths about it. Historically, it did exist. After Islam, yes, the interference of jinn was more restricted. But it's not entirely fully eliminated. Iblis still exists. He still has evil ways. Now, my, my final recommendation is don't be over-obsessed with, you know, being struck with magic. As long as you recite the Mu'awwadatayn, Surah Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Nas, in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. Where are the hirs of the Ahl al-Bayt? Hirs al-Imam al-Jawad alayhi salam, hirs al-Imam al-Rada alayhi salam. Pay charity, do good, and you'll be fine. Don't be over-obsessed about it, and every time... You step outside of your house, you think somebody's putting magic, you suspect everyone around you. I know people who get paranoid. Indeed, they get paranoid. But at the same time, my dear brothers and sisters, I've seen it happen in this community, believe me, where someone does something and the life of that person goes upside down. So I can't fully, fully deny it. I remember, I remember once a, a family came in and... They said, I mean, they claimed that their life was okay. The mother, she was here. She's like, my daughter, she's married. Everything's fine. Everything's smooth, alhamdulillah. Suddenly, things go downhill. Yani one tragedy after another tragedy. 
And so they suspected that somebody had done something to them. So, you know, I told them, I honestly don't know. I can't tell you whether it's magic or not. I don't have any way to figure it out. However, go to your house, inspect the house, every cupboard and cabinet and drawer and corner. If you find anything unusual, take it out and throw it in a body of water. So I, I have two, two incidents about that. The first is this family. They actually found a jar full of najasa in it. That's all I'll say. They threw it, they discarded it in a body of water. All the problems stopped, subhanAllah. Of course, I gave them some du'as as well from the Ahlul Bayt. Another one is that they found a bone in a cup somehow hidden in one of those drawers. Who put it there? Somebody who doesn't wish them well. <laughs> Allahu A'lam. So honestly, I do see something out there. <laughs> That's why I don't entirely deny it. You, you, might, you might find some speakers or scholars saying this is all fake. I can't say that. People over-exaggerate 100%. Every bad thing that happens to us is because of sihr uh, and the evil eye? No, not at all. But can I say it doesn't exist? No, I cannot say that. It, it, it may exist to an extent, to be honest with you. Everywhere, believe me, everywhere. And by the way, I'll tell you based on my experience, and I'll conclude with this, where the bait is. I've heard from so many people where now I have a clear vision of how this works. Normally what happens is, somebody comes and tells you in the community, I know a lady, probably overseas, no need to mention any specific place, Tiftah al-Qur'an. She opens the Qur'an and she knows everything about your life. She knows what you're going through and she has that type of ilm al-ghayb. And then the person says, okay, let's try that. So that lady <laughs> opens the Qur'an and indeed she gives knowledge that only that person knows. So now she trusts her. Okay, first of all, Qur'an. So she thinks she's religious and she's working with Qur'an. Number two, she proved to her she has some um, unseen knowledge that only she would know. So she trusts her. And then she tells her, you know, I'll give you this dua and that dua and all these weird numbers that they write in those pieces of paper. And then they start charging them. First time, they don't charge them. Second time, they don't charge them. Then they keep charging them. Once, once a sister told me that she charged her $500 just for giving her some of these recipes to wear or to put in the house, right? And then, You'd say, okay, you know, if it helped her with the situation, things got better, okay. Yalla, at least there was some good results. Almost everyone who's told me that they, they've done that, things went down. They became so miserable and life became worse for them. Because those people who practice whatever they're practicing, they want you to be dependent on them and hooked on them every week, sending them money so they give you something for you to be relieved but they end up putting a worse spell on you. Never go to these people, my dear brothers and sisters. If we had something called opening the Qur'an and doing that, the Ahlul Bayt would have talked about that. That's why we as scholars, we never do that. We never do that. Khira we take. Khira doesn't give us ilm al-ghayb. You're stuck on a situation. You don't know, should I do this, should I not? I open the Qur'an. If it's a verse about rahmah, about something good, I'll tell you it's good. It's in your interest, go ahead. And I still can't tell you ilm al-ghayb. I'll just tell you, it's good for you to go. If it's a verse about punishment or something negative, I'll tell you it's bad. But for me to open the Qur'an, okay, this is what you're going through, this, this person is harming you, 
No, no respected scholar does that. No hadith from Ahlul Bayt teaches us how to do that. So stay away from all these claims, believe me. I'm not saying every one of them is an imposter. Maybe some people have truly uh, inspiration, ilham from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, possibly. But stay away from these people. You don't know who you can trust.